Our first reading this morning is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and you can find this on page 1160 in the Church Bibles. Two Corinthians chapter three, and we begin to read it, verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Our Gospel reading today is St. John, chapter 8. You can find this on page 1073. And we're beginning at verse 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that what he says? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, You are really my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
on now. Now I'm on. That's it. Oh. I'm really not sure about this. Okay. I apologise. So I'm the youth worker uh, here at the church, and uh, that means that anything could happen. And I also uh, run the Gateway Centre down at Snow Hill. If you know Snow Hill, it's just a bit further down by Domino's Pizzas. And it's a community centre there in Snow Hill. And so I run all the activities that happen there and um, talk about God every now and again. And I've never done a, a, a real sermon, so you'll have to bear with me. This is my first one ever. Um, so I think we should start by praying, because that will calm me down. It's always a good idea. If you don't know what you're doing, start by praying. I think I'll probably move about. Um, so, Lord, I just bring this to you today, that as I speak, that we don't hear my voice as much as we hear your voice and what it is that you want to say to us as a church family, including our guests who were so gratefully received this morning. Um, I ask for you to make me bold, to say what you have put on my heart, and to remove any barriers we have on our hearts, any veils that cover them, that stop us from hearing your word and your message in the way that you have decided this morning that you want to speak to each person who's come to church for whatever reason. So I'd like to start by saying, because this is what you normally do, isn't it, at the cinema and everywhere else, is if you've got a mobile phone, really, I hate it, because you always have to start like this thing, if you've got a mobile phone, if you've got a mobile phone, can you switch it on? Switch it on. No, not switch it off, switch it on. Is it on? Like I'm in a tunnel. You sound like I'm Darth Vader. Right, okay. It was in my sky. I don't know. I probably look totally bizarre now. It's totally fine. You know, I normally look like I'm walking the dog, so it's quite amazing for me to wear a skirt if you know me. Um, so, back to phones. Get your phone out. Switch your phone on. Switch your phone on. If I'm that boring, you need to go on your phone. That's just fine by me. Go on your phone through the whole sermon. Please put it on vibrate, though. I will say put it on vibrate. I don't want to hear them dinging. Mine's on. So while the sermon's on, going on, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, you know, I'm really interested in that, or that poses this question, or, you know, that's what happens, isn't it? And then afterwards at coffee time, can't always find anybody who actually wants to talk about that question. So if you've got a question about the sermon or something pops into your head, text it to me. My number is on this sheet. I'm, where am I? I'm youth worker, Domenica, my full name, right? So text me. If you text me a question, I'll read them out before we go down. And then um, we've all got an idea about what people are thinking. I won't say your name. I'll know if it's my mum, because it'll be like four. You know what? I just can't do it. I can't do it. I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. That's totally fine. Right. So if, if I start doing this, because I'm Italian, um, tell me that I need to put the mic back. Just do that. Okay. So, yeah, we got our phones out. So text me your questions, and we'll read them out. And, and the rule about that is that they must only be two lines long, these texts, okay? And if they pop up now, and I think they're interesting enough or funny, I might read them out. Okay. So when we come to church, what happens is we hear the Bibles being read by Stephen and Eileen today. We hear stuff on the Bible, and we think about how that relates to our life. And in the Bible today, we're hearing about this guy called Paul, who's written letters to people who live in Corinth. That's why the reading that Steve ran out, read out, came from Corinthians. And is that up behind me? Um, I've got a slideshow as well. 24 slides. <laughs> 
Thank you, Brian. Right, so this was a letter that was written to the people who lived in Corinth. So that's, you know, and it's the second lot of letters. The first lot was nagging them to get back in line, and now they're kind of there. So he's writing to them again. Okay, so two Corinthians. Um, am I going to take the oh, no, notes, Facebook? <laughs> and, um, and in this letter, Paul is talking about how uh, Moses, who we all know Moses, don't we? I think we've got a picture of Moses. This is my first slide, right? It's Moses. Moses is the guy with the Ten Commandments. Now, even if you never go to church, you normally can recognize Moses being the Ten Commandment guy. Now, in the reading, Paul said that he had so much faith. He had such a connection with God. He was so full of what we would call when that relationship happens, the Holy Spirit being in you, that his face actually shone. I like to think about this, like it shone so much, right, that he put a veil on it to stop people from seeing it. I mean, there's other stuff about that as well, about they weren't allowed to look at him because they were sinners and stuff like this and they couldn't cope with it. So, but he put this veil on. Um, so we've got a picture of what I think that might have looked like. The next slide. Like that, like one of those glowworm toys. That's how I like to think about Moses just beaming out. I think those toys have been recalled now. They probably give you something terrible, probably really dangerous. So when Simon asked me to do this sermon, and I've been here eight years and have always said that if he asked me to do a sermon, I once shaved my head here, and that's another story, um, that if he asked me, I would shave my head. But I said yes, because it was on Facebook. And, uh, and that's where we are today. The, the reading talks about us having faces like Moses that shine with the light of Christ. So as Christians, this is where we want to be in 2016. Faces that are shining with the light of Christ. People who are of the book of the Bible. So Facebook, I think, is very relevant to our Christian message today. And we're going to look at that and we're going to see what questions it throws up. Because there's lots of questions and you can text me those. Like, you know, how are we not hearing this message in 2016, that Christ's light is shining. And as Paul reminds us, he came to die for us, to take away our sins so that there isn't a veil, there isn't a barrier anymore from that brightness of God's love, that we can connect with it and we can be in a really close relationship with him. You know, because if Jesus had Facebook, we would be his friends. And we need to know that he would add us all as friends and God hasn't blocked you. If you think, you know, you're not friends with God, you're not. He hasn't blocked you. He hasn't blocked anybody. But when I was thinking about this sermon, I was chatting to Paul at the back, and he was saying that he's got another name for Facebook. What do you call it, Paul? Face ache. Face ache. Because a lot of people here don't like Facebook. A lot of people, you know, Facebook can be really, really annoying. Um, and one of my other friends, um, Dean, can you remember what uh, uh, Fraser's dad calls it? Come on, boast book, he calls it. I like that. You know, if you do anything, take a photo. If you bake a cake, if the cat falls off the sofa, film it, put it on Facebook. So we're going to start with some statistics. If you love or hate Facebook, there are a lot of people who are engaging with it. So our first statistic is um, that there's 1.5 billion global users of Facebook. Now, we all know what it's like. I've got a Twitter account that I signed on for, and then I never really go on it. Um, and I know there's people like um, Anne Holland, actually, Simon's wife. She's got a Facebook account, but she, you can tell that she's hardly ever on it, really. You know, the amount, she misses loads of stuff that's going on. So you sort of think, you could think, well, okay, there's 1.5 billion users, but how many people are actually going on Facebook every day? You know, does anybody want to hazard a guess, you know, a percentage of that? Or, you know, fractions. What do you think, Guy? 
You go on Facebook. See, so Guy goes on Facebook every day. Well, it's actually, if you click it, it's one billion are on every single day. Now, that is measured by people who go onto Facebook. This is where you create a page that's about you, basically, if you don't know about Facebook. And Facebook knows they're on because they've liked a picture. They've clicked a little box underneath someone's photo to say, I've seen that picture and I liked it. So that shows that they're active. But there's also a lot of people on Facebook who don't like anything. They don't click anything. They don't add any comments. So they're sort of invisible on Facebook. They're the Facebook voyeurs. And you know they're around because every now and again, somebody who you went to school with when you were seven and you've never spoke to, but they added you three or four years ago, so you thought, oh, all right, I'll add, you know, Snotty Jenkins, and so you add them. They all of a sudden forget themselves, and they like one of your pictures, where you were on holiday in Tunisia eight years ago. So you have to realize that there's people on Facebook, and they're scrolling through your stuff, sort of like Facebook trolls, um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they're there, sort of, you know, not even seen as a statistic. But every 60 seconds, stuff happens at such a volume on Facebook. It's quite shocking. Let me put that 60-second slide. 293,000 status updates. Now, a status update is me just going onto my page and saying, hey, it's raining outside, because you don't have to watch the weather anymore if you've got Facebook, because if it rains, it'll come up straight away on Facebook. If it snows, you won't be able to get on for people telling you that it's snowed. Um, and 1, uh, 136,000 pictures are uploaded. And today we're here at Ella's dedication. And I just wonder, later on, as you take snaps of Ella and you put them on, I really liked your Christmas picture, family one, by the way. I like that. I think it got something like 68 likes. Something that's like really good. You know, it shows you're really popular if you get lots of likes on your picture. Um, I just wonder by this evening, how many times will pictures of Ella have been shared and seen, or seen by people that you didn't even know had, had seen them? So it could be a bit scary. Um, and Facebook has categories of users. There's people who use it for business. Um, I have a, a sort, of, sort of a business Facebook page for the Gateway Center. It's just a bit of lighthearted fun, really, to engage with people who love Facebook in another way down there and promote what we're doing. Um, and then you've got people who have got sort of a political message or a cause who keep striving to use Facebook for that, and people agree or don't agree that that's the right way to use it. But then you've got this, the regular folk. So I'm going to talk about the regular folk, that's us. And we've got three categories. Men and women who use Facebook, believe it or not. Um, and they are statistically in even numbers. The amount of accounts that women have over men is, is not a lot in it. However, women are statistically far more active on Facebook, commenting and liking and things like this. And then the third group, just separate from men and women, are a category on their own because they're the fastest growing group on Facebook and the internet in general. And they are your 50 plus. If you're 50 plus, you are the fastest growing internet group. And uh, Dean said to me the other day, my husband Dean, um, that we shouldn't feel bad about our children showing us stuff on the internet that we don't understand how to use or technology, you know, advancing and people have to show it to us if we're 50 plus because, you know, we taught those people how to use a spoon. <laughs> so don't feel bad if you, you feel a little bit out of the loop with Facebook, okay? But the 50 pluses are affectionately called silver surfers on Facebook, silver surfers. Um, but I was thinking about these groups and I was looking at my Facebook page and seeing what people are like on Facebook. And actually, it's a big difference between the way women use Facebook, men use Facebook, and the silver surfers use it. So, like, for women in general, when they're happy on Facebook, it's all about the selfie. Let's have a selfie. This is my daughter. She took this picture about three years ago, I think, so she's a little bit older than this now. 
Oh, that's my Facebook page. Hang on. So that's, if, you've, if you've never seen a Facebook page, that's what it would look like on your computer. So I did the whole computer screen. So that's the one for the gateway. So instead of having a picture of the sea or my family, I've actually got the map of where the gateway is. And then on a daily basis, I can put up pictures. So this was what I put up, um, I think, a week ago of the youth club. So my use, reason for using Facebook is to link us to the community down there because everybody uses Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, you know, people aren't going to know what you're doing. So this is a picture of the youth club. And I've used it also, so it's just a blatant advert. And it's why I'm using it today. It's another blatant <coughs> advert. And it says on there, my comment then is, I forgot how much I miss these guys. It's over the Christmas break. Please get in touch if you want to volunteer and help with the youth club, even if it's just once a month or once every eight weeks, because at the moment it's only me and Louise, and we get up to a, a regular 17 to 18 young people come down there. And if you're here at church regularly, you can see that not only do they, we meet them there, but they cross over and they come and hang out with us up here as well, which is just the best. So without help at the youth club, that will stop. So that would be very sad. So if you want to respond to that advert, feel free to talk to me afterwards. But in general, Facebook, yeah, back to being women, when women are happy and they go on Facebook, we get pictures that are called selfies. And if you don't know what a selfie is, it's basically a picture that you took yourself. And there's rules for these selfie pictures. Have we got the picture of Becky, Brian? That's it. Right, the rule for selfies is your arms have to be in the picture. Because you hold the phone out like this, and you take a picture of yourself. Now, that's quite an old picture because she's got two arms in the picture. That was the old way of doing it. Then it went to one arm. That was more modern. And now it's gone to these little sticks. I haven't got one because I'm too old. Where you put your phone on a stick. So it then is held out even further. So it kind of looks like you actually had a real friend who took the photo. But we all know you didn't. Because unless your friend was on the ceiling... You know, the picture has to look, to be a successful profile picture, it has to look like the spider took the picture. Um, or you're three, like Becky is there. I'm three, pick me up. And I think that's kind of almost what those pictures are saying. Pick me up, pick me up. I'm just a little kid. And, and, but that's what happens when I take them. Now, I'm on a bit of a mission. I've been helping people. I've got a friend called Carol, who you know here. I helped Carol take a better profile picture of herself a few months ago because she held the phone. This is what my mum does. I held it down there and took a picture. And you just get 20 chins, you know. <laughs> Never let children either take your pictures. If your child comes up to you with a, a disposable camera at a wedding, get down. <laughs> get low. Otherwise, you get 20 chins no matter how slim you are. So that's what happens, yeah, when old people try and take selfies. Okay. So, moving on, men. <laughs> Women, happy, oh, happy, statuses all the time. Statuses about their children all the time. Statuses that make me laugh because they write to their two-year-olds. I do this as well, I'm not putting it down right, you know. Happy birthday, Brianna, your mummy's big girl. She's two, has she got a Facebook account? You know, and then all the friends comment on that as well, you know. Yes, gonna see you later, lovely, I've got your really noisy present, your mum's gonna hate it, you know. But she hasn't got a Facebook account, so I don't know why we're writing to them. But Men, on the other hand, they don't really write statuses. If they're happy, they don't write anything. If they're sad, they don't write anything. In my books, what they do is they share stuff. Videos of near death, you know, accidents and anything that's funny. Women are sharing cute videos of cats and kittens and stuff like that. Men are sharing videos of motorbike crashes and the, the TT races and the football and stuff like that. And they take way less selfies. You don't see men taking selfies, unless, have I got one, they've been to the gym. That is the selfie that they always take. If they've been to the gym, 
If they haven't mentioned it on a comment, they might as well not bother going, because what's the point of going to the gym if you don't mention it on Facebook? But they have to take the post-gym picture like this. And the rules for men are never hold the camera up. Always have it pointing into the mirror. That's the manly way to take a picture. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a, a spider profile picture of a man ever. It's in the, it's in the camera like that. Um, and what else do men do? I said, I can't remember, they don't really do a lot on Facebook. Um, you can get them quite well though with, a, with a, a fake status. So I like to do fake statuses for my husband when he forgets to log out on his phone and I go on and I'll write something, you know, uh, funny that looks like he wrote it. Um, there's another word for that what I won't say, but they are fake statuses. And they're quite easy to spot because if he goes on my phone, he'll write something, you know, I don't know, just totally ridiculous. My friends will know it's a fake status. If I go on his phone, I'm more crafty about it. And the joke's just between us, so I'll write something like, Domi is totally amazing wife, she just cooked me the best dinner ever. And then all of his friends, he can't then say it's fake, can he? Because he'll look bad. All of his friends go on and they say, oh, she's the best, yeah man, you're so lucky. And he can't say, actually, she, it was a fake status. Okay. Um, and then we've got the silver surfers. And silver surfers are going on Facebook in, in their drones because they're staying connected with their children. And I think that's a really positive thing about Facebook is that grandparents, me as a grandparent myself, I know, shocking, but I can see on a daily basis what my grandchildren are doing at the park and I don't have to go. <laughs> it's like really, really good. Um, and, uh, but they do break all the rules. So they leave really, really long comments or you've got this really funny news feed and banter going on with your friends and all of a sudden your mum will come on and invite you around for tea. It just kills it dead. Everyone stops commenting and it's like, you know, that's a private message, mum, not a comment. Anyway, there's lots of rules. And Facebook, you know, as I'm making you laugh about Facebook, Facebook can be a really positive thing. And I know a lot of people hate Facebook, but it can be a really positive thing. Messages can go global in minutes. People in war-torn countries where the government is lying about what has happened to them can send, often quite graphic, but very real images about what is really happening on the ground. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I do think there's issues around, you know, images and protection of children and stuff like that, but I don't think that's a bad thing. So, kids, we've got governments who have been really bad in other countries, and it's been young people like yourselves who have gone on Facebook and organised massive rallies and protests and riots and actually overthrown people and got them, you know, to kick out and be run away from the country that they were oppressing just through Facebook and being organised. Facebook's so powerful that bad governments will shut it down and have done and do to make sure that, you know, the young people who are organising these protests can't do it anymore. Um, but also there's the negatives with Facebook. I mean, the first thing that comes up is bullying. I mean, it's kind of low level compared to terrorists and war, but bullying is massive on Facebook. The statistic this year is that 66% of all teenage girls have been bullied on Facebook at some time, and that's reported. And I know that there's people here who we've spoke to who have had awful experiences in things called chat rooms. So these are like a little private bubble conversation where people seem to take the liberty online to be, you know, a little bit like road rage, really, to be really quite offensive and, and, and cause people a lot of upset. And also, you know, parents having Ella dedicated today, it's a big worry for parents. I'm so glad that all my children are over 20, um, just in general. <laughs> I'm so glad. But, um, but also, you know, it's less of a worry that adults can be online talking to your children, pretending to be, on, to Brenton to be a child. Um, that's an awful thing. 
And then there's, of course, there's the really awful stuff like racism and terrorism recently, you know, that terrorists are using Facebook to promote, you know, extremist behavior to other young people across the world and to infiltrate them through the Facebook medium. So should we even use it as Christians? Would Jesus have had Facebook? Well, I look at the readings today, you know, Paul is actually in Macedonia, up on the map there, and he's writing to the people in Corinth, so that's why the book is called Corinthians. So he's using what he had at the time to communicate with people, you know, and the disciples used everything they had, one-to-one -one conversations, small groups, large assemblies, and prolific letter writers. The Bible is, you know, just full of letters of one person writing to another and, you know, and that's what we read today and that's what inspires us. So, I w in my view, I would say that if uh, Facebook was around in Jesus' time, particularly the disciples, Jesus would have probably been like, oh, God. He got out of here before Facebook. They would have been on it. They would have definitely been on it. Um, and in the reading that Stephen read out today, there were three things that I want to kind of link with how we use Facebook. And, and if you don't use Facebook, you're not excluded from this because it's also how we are in our lives. And that was that he talks about us in the very first line being bold. Um, and he talks about Jesus removing veils, that he lifts our barriers. So it's like three Bs. We've got bold, we've got barriers, and we've got beam, that we shine out this light of Christ when we can really get our heads around the fact that we have this hope in Jesus. So I'm going to just read that first line again. I hope I'm going to find it. Oh, I'm on one Corinthians. We've got two Corinthians. It's page 114. No, it's not 114. What is it? Typical youth leader. Find my way in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Why can I not find 2 Corinthians oh, 3, verse 12, yeah? Oh, I'm on 4. There it is. I was on 4. I jumped the page. So the first line says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So he's asking us to be bold. But what is this hope we have? Therefore, as Christians, we have this hope that Jesus came to remove all our sins for us to be in a close relationship with him so we can be bold. Now, actually, the Greek word for bold there, go me, is pasresis. And that actually meant um, sort of more related, referred to rather than just sort of being bold and daring, but actually to the Greek citizens' freedom of speech. So I think if Paul was here today, he would be saying, you know, because we're Christians and we believe in Jesus, we should be using our freedom of speech. We should be using Facebook to encourage others. So when we look at Facebook, that's the first thing I want us to think about today. Are we being bold when we're on these mediums. And also, if you don't have Facebook, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the older people here for that, but if you don't have Facebook, I'll go look at Keith, because I know Keith doesn't have Facebook. <laughs> I'm quite proud of it. So, um, you know, in our life, are we being bold about being Christians? Are we, you know, putting that out there? Because when you're online, actually, you can hide. If it's face-to-face, -face, you can't. But online, you can be anything. Have we got a picture for that? You could be a dog online nobody would know you know so do they know you're a christian online if they don't know if you're even a dog you know so we've got another picture there yeah you know you can put these faces on online and you can be whoever you want 
So I want us to think about that today. Is our online presence actually showing at all that we are Christians at all? And then we've got barriers. It's the second thing. Moses put a veil on his face to, you know, diminish that light. It's said that, you know, Moses, who was given the Ten Commandments, that was our first relationship with God, you know, do this, get to heaven kind of thing, you know. That was our first covenant with God. Our first promise came from Moses. And his face shone with that because he had the Holy Spirit in him. Now, in those days, it was only Moses and the other high priests who had that ability to have God live within them. And God wanted to change that. And that's why he sent Jesus, because he didn't want to be separate from us. He wanted it to be more face-to-face. So you can't get more face-to-face than actually being there. And in the same way that little Ella is totally genetically from David and Rebecca, so is Jesus from God. So we had God with us. He came down to be with us. I can't remember what I was going to say then. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and that's what lifts our barriers. So we don't have to rely on just Simon and Esther to be these beaming lights of faith. We all as Christians are these beaming lights of faith. And if we can really take on the fact that Jesus has come and he's lifted any barriers you have in your life from accepting him, anything that you think is holding you back, then you too will be just like Moses and have this glowworm beaming face of faith, you know. So as non-believers, we're asking today, what are the barriers in our lives that are on our hearts that make us truly believe that this whole Jesus and God thing has just got nothing to do with me, you know? Maybe you already have questions where you think, yeah, there is something else out there. There is, you know, there's something about God. There's something about this Jesus guy. But there is kind of a veil, like with Moses' face. There's something that is blocking it. There's maybe things in your life that you think, I'm not good enough to actually follow God. Or, you know, I've done this and this and this, and maybe I'd have to stop doing that and that and that. You know, what are the changes going to be if I decide to lift this veil off my heart, if I decide to let Jesus in? What are the changes going to be? How scary is that going to be? How is my life going to change? And as believers, we have to think, what veils have we put on our hearts that have stopped our faces from really shining, from being people who you could go on your Facebook page and scroll down just a few posts and be able to see something that shows that you're a Christian. You know, we had this um, thing where women share, I think, did it flash up, Brian? Where women share postcards online. And it says, I think it's a few slides back, can you see it? It's like a little one on the side and it says the only... Um, journey that's not worth making is the only impossible journey is the one you never began you know and people love to post these sort of like inspirational messages and I, I particularly love them but when you go online you don't have to go as far as posting things about being a Christian that are actually almost like offensive like this next one that come with a threat somebody posted that on my page share this photo if you're thankful to Jesus. That's not what it's about, being on Facebook and being a Christian. And, you know, I mean, what does that say? If I don't want that image on my page, does that say I don't like Jesus? I don't love Jesus? You know, so there's subtle ways of being a Christian, you know, taking pictures in church and things like that, sharing what you do and you believe, and uh, really resourcing other people as well. So when we're bold, when we've let those barriers be lifted, we will become like Moses, and we'll get to our third B, where our faces will be beaming. We will be like those little glowworms. 
And it won't be always so obvious to everybody, you know, like it was in Moses' time that, you know, you've got this radiant light coming out. But you will change. If we let those veils be lifted, we will change. Because there's a lot of us here who will come to church. And although we totally 100% believe in God, it doesn't go beyond the building when it comes to shining that light out to other people. And we just feel that we're inadequate, that it's okay for Simon to do it, and it's okay for me to do it. And, it, you know, that's not my role, is what we tell ourselves. I'm not bold enough. I can't do that, but we can, because we've all been given our own special gifts and our own special talents that will connect with our real friends. You know, you don't have to go on Facebook to decide, you know, um, David Holden White doesn't have to go home and think, okay, I hate Facebook, but actually, Domi's got a point. There's 1.5 billion people on there. I need to make an account, start connecting with people to evangelize. You don't need to do that. You know, the things that feel natural to you is what God will send to you to join. You know, we don't have to make fake friends with somebody just because we want to save them from the fiery pits of hell kind of thing. We will have enough real friends in our life to talk to, you know, who God will send you to help and to love and to be friends with. Some of them won't be Christians. And by your expression of love for other people and how they see you live your life, that will be the thing that brings people to God. You know, you almost don't have to work at it. And you don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to think, I'm not bold enough. We just have to accept that Jesus is in our hearts. Let these barriers be lifted so that can, we can really start beaming out this light of Christ. And if you're here today and you haven't been able to accept that Jesus is there for you, he is your friend, God is your friend, this might just be one of the first times that you're starting to think about it or you might have nagging questions. I just encourage you to speak to us at the end or to come back another day and to find out a little bit more about you know, ways that you can connect and, and ways that you on your journey and in your way you can go forward with that. So I just encourage us all to come to an end now, to, uh, to be real, to not have any fake profiles. You know, I think the thing I notice about Facebook the most is that if people post a lot of things, and it's the same in life and it's the same in church, if people post a lot of negative things, they start to get defriended. People start to block them and ignore them. And that is kind of a natural thing. When people are really, really negative, you do kind of sort of feel a bit like, like that. But let's not do that. When people are, you know, being really needy, that's because they have needs. And it is our role to be more friends with them, to be there for them more, not be there for them less. Because with Facebook, we've all got like, you know, hundreds of friends on Facebook, but is it actually connecting us less with real people? You know, if we join bigger churches, have we got a bigger church family? Or are we talking with people less? Sometimes, you know, it's awful to say, church can be a really difficult place to speak to people. But, you know, I say that quite regularly. It's really hard for me to speak to people at church. I'm normally dealing with the children and packing things away and getting out biscuits and stuff, and that's terrible. So let's make sure whatever mediums we're using that we are encouraged to be more face-to-face -face with them, to meet up, to hook up, to have people in our lives in a really real way, not just in a superficial way, and to be free to moan, not to keep thinking that we have to have this happy facade. How are you? It's this, my mum's German, right? And uh, she had to have two lessons at school. It was only booked as one lesson, but they had to go into a, another lesson the next week about it because the German kids couldn't get their head around the fact that when you go to England and you say to somebody, how are you? They, no matter how they are, just say, I'm fine, how are you? 
And they just couldn't, and it was only meant to be, I remember her saying that her teacher said it was only meant to be a very short part of a lesson, and it took up the whole lesson and took up the whole of the next lesson, because they just couldn't get their heads around it. Because if you say to people in German off the, Germany off, off, often, how are you, even if you don't know them, they'll say, oh, you know, I'm not so good, like, my leg's a bit gammy, and, you know, if I move it like this, really hurts, you know? And they couldn't understand why we asked these questions. So let's try and break that mold in our life and on Facebook. Let's not just be frivolous. Let's be real. Let's be real friends. So I'm going to invite you to um, share the peace with each other after I've prayed as a way of um, touching each other that's safe. I was going to invite you to hug each other, but uh, I thought that might be a bit too dodgy. Oh, I've got text. It's from my husband. He says, ready? How much longer are you going to go on talking? <laughs> really? Smiley face, kissy face, thumb up, thumb up, two hearts. It's because his van's outside and he's going to get a ticket. That's what it is. We've got another one here. Um, maybe Facebook, because who posts that their real life is lonely or they feel wretched? We need to take it with a pinch of salt. We've got another one here. Social media is a substitute for real relationships rather than encourage them. That's what I'm actually agreeing with, you know. I also, as a Christian, it's really easy online when somebody says something, you think, I'm being a really good Christian, I'm going to, they say something negative, something's bad's happening in your life, and you can go on and straight away and think, God's going to love this, I'm going to pray for you, you know, and that's what your comment is. I'm going to pray about that, you know, and normally I just pray straight away when that happens because it's so easy to say, I'll pray for you, and it's so easy to say that in Christians in real life. Someone's on the street and they say, I've got, you know, got to meet that old lady that you don't know. And she says, she's got a gammy leg. And you say, oh, I'll pray about that. And off you go. It's much better to do it just there and then. Also freaks people out, which is quite good fun. <laughs> if you say, I'm, I love doing that. Can I pray about that for you? And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. They think you mean later. You go, let's do that now. Because I've got such a short-term memory. It's why I struggle with sermons. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forget. So, yeah, let's, not, let's talk about that. Is it a substitute? How are we doing it? Uh, oh, somebody said I should preach another time too, maybe when they're on holiday. <laughs> Getting out the biscuits is never awful. <laughs> silver surfers are basically, silver surfers are the Fantastic Four. Yeah, they are, aren't they? They are. Is it DC or Marvel? They are, they are, they are. Getting out the biscuits is never awful. What does that mean? Come on, Steve, fess up. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Well, actually, you know, the, the, one of the things I love most about church is that you get snacks, right? You don't get snacks because you have to listen to a talk. And I remember sitting up here once, because I've only actually listened to one sermon here and not been downstairs, unless it's been Christmas or Easter. So it's always odd to be upstairs and there'd be no tree here. Um, uh, as all the children trailed off and I waved goodbye to them, I was like, oh, this is really good. I'm going to get to hear an adult talk. I then realized, I'm not getting any snacks. It's not good. So, young people today, you have not had your snacks, but when you go downstairs, Emily's just going to raise her hand. So if you don't know who Emily is, she's going to raise her hand. Right. And if you're in light sharers or youth, I have reserved your biscuits and she'll be walking around. Veronica, you are not in light sharers or youth. 
I'm so glad my mum's not here because she would have written like a 10-page text. Okay. I think that's it. I think we will just pray and they will share the peace. Now, if you don't know how to share the peace, it's just basically shaking hands with the person next to you and saying, peace be with you. And if you know them really well and you want to hug them, that's great as well. And um, to share the peace, we will stand up at the end of praying and um, you can move around and do that. I don't know what's coming next after this because a song and then there'll be a song. Okay. So, Lord, I just ask you today to... um, help us to be bold, particularly if we're not in relationship with you. It's much harder to have the strength and the courage to even ask any questions about what it means to have you in your life. So we just ask for boldness, Lord, for us all. I ask you to remove any barriers we put on ourselves that we're not good enough. There's a whole other sermon about Moses, right? Not being good enough at the beginning. Like, you know, you know that he goes to the Red Sea and he whacks the stick and the sea parts and everything like that. Well, when God told him to go and talk to Pharaoh and do all that stuff, he actually said, I can't do it. I, I, know, I know I'm meant to be stopping, right? But he said, I can't do it. So if you ever think, oh, Moses is this amazing person. He's so bold. It's all right for Moses having a shining, glowing face. We can't all be Moses, don't we? Well, actually, Moses didn't start like that at all. He said, no. God said, go and talk to Pharaoh, set my people free. And he said, no. And God says, it's all right, I'll give you a trick. Get your stick, throw it on the floor, turn it into a snake. Woohoo! Pick it up, stick, snake, stick, snake, stick. Off you go. Moses, that would have been it. I'd have been downtown with the snake, snake, stick, snake thing all day long. Um, but not Moses, no. He at that point said, no, I can't do it. I still can't do it. And so God said, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. It's actually, I think it's, am I right in thinking it's National Leprosy Weekend this weekend? I think it is, isn't it? I think it is. And we need to pray about that because leprosy is still real in our world. Um, But it was very real in Moses' time. So God said, okay, Moses, right, stick your hand in your jacket, puts his hand in his jacket, pulls it out, whoa, leprosy, right? Totally covered, totally manky, flesh falling off kind of thing. He said, put it back in your jacket and it'll be healed. So he puts it back in, brings it out and it's healed. And he said, if you're worried that they're not going to listen to you because Moses had a bit of a stutter, um, if you're worried that you're not a clear speaker, just do the stick thing and then do the hand thing. Now, if I had the hand thing, oh, well, I wouldn't have gone to Pharaoh either because I'd have been down with my mates going, spooky touch the monkey. And so Moses was totally set up. He got the stick, he got the monkey hand trick, and, and he still said, no, I can't do it. I just can't do it. They won't listen to me. I'm not a good speaker. And so he said, okay, well, get a cup of water when you go and go, put it in the Nile in the river and it'll be water. And when you pour it on the ground, anytime you pour it on the ground, I'll turn it into blood. So Moses is totally set up now. He's got the stick. He's got the monkey hand trick. He's got water turning into blood. Doesn't get much better. And he still said he couldn't do it. And God had to say, all right, we'll get your brother Aaron, who's really gobby. He will do it. So Aaron went with him. And Aaron did a lot of the speaking at the beginning. Moses always banged the stick, but it was Aaron. So if you're feeling you're not bold, Remember that the story about Moses where he gets to the point where God is shining out of his face. He also wasn't bold. There shouldn't be any barriers to you being bold and for you coming closer to God. So the last part of our prayer, Lord, is that we embrace all these things and that we shine for you and that we are shining lights of hopes in our friends' lives, in our communities and in our world. So I'd like to invite you to stand up and share the peace and then we're going to sing a song. Uh,